This is exactly right. My favorite murder, Minnesota 22. Is it 22? The one where we get back on track. <laughs> oh. Did you listen to last week's Minnesota? No. I get, I, I, I get scared listening. It's horrifying. Why? And you're right to be scared. And la- I just tried to listen this morning. Was <laughs> it the one we talked about the salt water? I mean, it was a real, it was a real study and something's very wrong. So you want to not chit chat. You want to get straight to the murder. No, I feel like it's important that we chit chat, but, um, (laughs) I don't know. It's a self-loathing issue. Mm. It's difficult to look back on the work that you've done. Well, that's why I don't listen to it. Yeah. It's a smart move. I did in the beginning and then I was just like, all right, we're good for now. It's hard not to fall into it though. Cause you ever do that thing where you're like, pretend you're someone else yeah listen. and listen as another person i do what i do is pretend that someone else is listening for the first time and what what would that sound like right to that person at what point would they be like this isn't for me <laughs> and for and for me in that exercise it was like seven seconds in yeah and right now it's probably right now for someone uh yeah if not seven seconds ago <laughs> So, okay, let's get on track. So, starting now, Stephen. <laughs> Welcome to My Favorite Murder, <laughs> Minnesota. That's Karen Kilgariff. And that's Georgia Hardstark. Boy, do we love to talk about murder. Do you? Yes, you do, because you send us your hometown murders, the things that happen in your hometown, or to your family, or to your family friends, to your college town. To that one barber yep. that you grew up near but didn't know, never talked to directly. Rode on a bus with their son. Yep. Knew them four degrees of Kevin Bacon away. Totally. So, um, we're going to read, we just read you a couple of those, because they're so good, and you know... Fuck it. It seems clear. I think our point is clear. Yeah. I think people understand we're, what's happening. We're back on track. Uh, do I go first? Sure. Great, because first of all, let me belch seven times straight into the mic. <laughs> the subject line of the first email here is the time my dad fought Otis Tool. <gasps> ding, 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 ding. Hi, ladies. I recently started listening to your podcast and I'm completely hooked. In one of the earlier episodes, you mentioned serial killer Otis Tool. I'm pretty sure I called him Otis, though. Is it Otis? It's Otis, okay. yeah. Uh, you know. Um, and I had to share with you this story from my father. My father worked for the Tallahassee Police Department, the TPD, mm. for a long time, around 12 years or so. He has some crazy, horrifying, fucked up stories during this time with the TPD. I bet he does. <laughs> but this one takes the cake for me. I'm sure you've heard of the serial killer, Otis Tool. As it turns out, he did a stint in the Tallahassee jail while my dad worked there. Mm. My dad told me once how Tool recounted to him how he murdered a woman, <gasps> sliced, sliced off her breast, oh then he and Henry Lee Lucas drove around with it on the dash of their van so gross yeah but you probably haven't heard about the man with whom tool shared his jail cell joe nixon he was convicted of kidnapping and murder of the kidnapping and murder of a local woman from the Governor's Square Mall parking lot in Tallahassee. He took her to a remote location, tied her to a tree with jumper cables, then set her on fire. <gasps> so Tool and... That's everything I hate. Yes, it's really awful. Also, Otis Tool is like one of the most 
awful looking because he just looks like he does not give one no. fuck about anything. No. He's so frightening. He looks like he takes, and I think he did, pleasure in other people's immense suffering. Yes, he's like, a, if it were a character in a horror movie, you'd be like, that guy's a little too much. Right. Let's he's turn like, it down. He, yeah, it's like Texas Chainsaw Massacre characters. Yeah, it, like, it looks like he's wearing a prosthetic forehead, but right. it, it's his real forehead. <laughs> um, he's the one that, that admitted to killing John Walsh's son, Adam Walsh, right? Mm-hmm. Which we don't know for sure, but John Walsh believes it. I don't believe it. I don't either. It's the that missing front tooth story. And the ears. So yeah. when they found was supposedly Adam Walsh's head in a creek. But then if you look at the side by side of the head, and which is horrifying, it, the ears are different. There's a missing tooth. You know, whatever. Anyways, go on. Yeah. No, it's not the same kid. But no. they just, I mean. Fair enough. Two five-year-old boys, or roughly five-year-old boys, dead in the same area. They don't, they want that to be the same. Sure. I mean, we all do. Okay, so let's talk about Joe Nixon. Uh, <laughs> he was one of the less famous Nixons. <laughs> Uh, he was convicted of kidnap. Oh, sorry. So Tool and Nixon sh- are sharing a cell in the jail on the top floor, and one of the day guards, including my dad, noticed that water's leaking from above. Mm. So they go upstairs and find that Tool and Nixon have purposefully clogged their toilet, and water was quickly flooding the cell. In addition to that, the pair were butt-ass naked and covered in soap to make themselves slippery. What? But that's not the craziest part. They'd each fashioned a number of shanks and had had them grasped in their fists between their fingers uh, Wolverine style. Oh my god. They were basically trying to force the police to open the cell and then fight their way out. <gasps> Absolutely bonkers. The sheriff was present and told them to cut it out. <laughs> cut, cut it out, you two jokers. You boys back to bed right now. <laughs> Otherwise, he'd have to send in some police, including my dad, to quote-unquote disarm them. The men refused, so my dad had to go and wrestle a slippery naked <gasps> and armed oddest tool to the ground. Jesus. As my dad said while telling me this story, quite the nice gentleman. Wow. Best, Callie. That's hilarious. Wow, that's fucked up. Man. No, he's... Otis Tool is the guy in the horror movie that the girl gets away, and she's right at the edge of the forest, and the man picks her up in the truck, mm-hmm. and she's crying and saying, thank you so much, I just had to go to the hospital. And he goes, okay, hold on real quick, we're going to go up here. And he drives her back to the house that she just escaped yep, from. Yep, and they're buddies. Yeah. Because you never expect a duo. That's right. You know? It's so... It's like... Not fair. How do you... It's hard enough to just, like, find a friend that you want to have lunch with, <laughs> much less that you're going to just um, murder people all over the place. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, no. All right. Between Henry Lee Lucas and Otis Tool, which one do you think was perpetually late all the time? <laughs> what do you ask? <laughs> I was an hour and 15 minutes late to the recording today, everybody. I think that's a real oddest tool move of me. Do you think it's oddest? I think oddest is the one that's like, what? Sorry, I thought it was at four. And Henry is like, <laughs> like I was here right on time. Please. I was here meditating. <laughs> um, okay. This is called My Brother and the Texas Murder House. Uh Hi, Karen in Georgia. My name is Bonnie and I'm from Dallas, but I have a half brother who grew up in a small North Texas town with his mother. When he was in high school, he joined a club that I guess you could say was like a crime stopper group for teens. Sounds fucking awesome. It really does. How did I not have, we not have that at my high school? Crime stop. What the hell are they going to do? I think they're going to sit around and talk about murder, which 
Yeah, we, we do. Maybe spy on some people who are sus- suspicious in their town. Totally. Fucking dig it. Teens. Teens. Um, one day, the group was invited to the local sheriff station for a tour and meet and greet type situation. This led to a little Q&A sesh, and one student asked the sheriff which case had stuck with him the most in all of his years on the job. The sheriff went on to tell a heartbreaking story about a man who lost his mind, shot and killed his wife, and then shot and killed himself. Of course, the students were intrigued and continued to ask more questions about the case. That's when the sheriff for reasons I can't wrap my head around, brought out the case file and showed the students the friggin' crime scene photos. The list of things sheriff should not do, number one, show children photos of dead bodies. Am I right? Uh-huh. Um, and anyway, here's the good part. As my brother looked at the photos, he couldn't help but feel like something felt familiar. When he, went, when he came across the photo of the front of the house, he realized that it was his motherfucking house. No! All caps. What? He went on to discover that the room the wife was shot and killed in was was his bedroom. No. No, thank you, sir. Bye-bye. I never really learned too many details about the murder-suicide, so I'm sorry I can't explain more about that, but I still felt like this was a story you two might like to hear. That's correct. Anyways, you (laughs) guys are the tits. 100% correct. (laughs) You guys are the tits. The theme of this one is tits. Yeah. This minisode in every way and your podcast is one of my favorite things of all time so keep up the good work xoxo (laughs) bonnie thanks bonnie thanks bonnie that was i mean bad enough that you're looking at crime scene photos but then to have that like gotcha moment no that story could have been done with just the, the sheriff showed them crime scene photos yeah but no it was not Jesus. That's so awful. I've never seen, I've seen crime scene photos, but I've never, you know, you see one off. I've never seen like a folder with actual, no. like the, the crime scene photos that detective you like detectives used. I mean, I, there was somebody that was talking about that for one of the cases. Um, one of, I think maybe a live show we did and somebody talking about about it afterward they a relative of theirs had mm. to look at all the crime scene was it Ted Bundy or something I don't know I can't remember but just how that was the part maybe that they were they were a policeman or something just that the the evidence was so upsetting oh it was a jury a bunch of jury members yeah right and they needed PTSD treatment yes that, that was be- jury because and well it was one of the it can only be one of the like eight stories we've done on the road right but, uh, I never I guess I didn't think about that that like anytime I watch any of this stuff I close my eyes all the time yeah. like this I'll get like a sense of it and close my eyes but if it's anything like if, like the person is dead you can see how they were murdered and they're looking at the camera mm. no no mm. no see I'm the opposite you look at it I look at like what what knots did they tie how tight were the ropes I don't know why I just feel like they'll tell not, you though not in a like excited way and not like horrified yeah you gotta see it yeah and I just also feel like obligated in a weird way like mm-hmm. to the victim to like to like know hmm. what they went through narrator telling you isn't that's not no. enough you gotta see it for yourself <laughs> yeah. with your own eyes I need to get my own PTSD <laughs> thank you very much yeah I see you know it's a bit of you're gonna put on a hair shirt for your interest you're going to like make yourself suffer a tiny bit a hair shirt that's what the old uh, they used to old monks used to put on really itchy shirts as a way to suffer for the Lord oh. <laughs> I always bring it back it sounds like yeah that's funny it's not funny it's funny all right give me one more okay 
this says, don't go to Poughkeepsie, don't get murdered. Hi, Karen, Georgia, Stephen, Elvis, Mimi. My hometown murder comes to you from the town where I went to college, Poughkeepsie, New York. It's the last stop on the Metro North Hudson Line from Grand Central, and it doesn't really have anything worthwhile except a mall with a target attached, which couldn't be more worthwhile. A life-saving uh-huh. uh thing. Okay, from November 1996 to August 1998, a man named Kendall Francois picked up sex workers from Main Street in downtown Poughkeepsie, brought them back to his parents' house on Fulton Avenue, had sex with them, strangled them, and then hid their bodies in the attic and crawl spaces mm. of his parents' house. Of his parents' house. That was a separate phrase just to for you know, got um, it. To really underline it. Well, his parents lived there. Oh, another separate sentence. <laughs> I th- yeah, they're like dramatic effects, yep. but it's like you can't really tell with periods. Uh, Francois was 75 inches tall. What? I don't know what, what? that means. What? Uh, how tall is that? Six feet? What the fuck? Why are we doing it that way? I don't know. Is Six that how you do it in Poughkeepsie? 12 is 72, right? Poughkeepsie, come on. <laughs> Oh, Poughkeepsie, it's their, like, kind of metric, so they do yeah, things. Yeah, even though it's... Oh, it's inches no. aren't metric. Mm-mm. Shit. <laughs> Francois was 75 inches tall. Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> That's what it says in the mugshot, and I'm too tired for the math. Oh, they're <laughs> one of us. <laughs> love it. Uh, why don't I just read the rest of the sentence? I do that all the time. Okay, had a reputation for being violent with sex workers, was nicknamed Stinky because he apparently had really terrible hygiene. Oh. A winning combination. Oh. God. On September 1st, 1998, a woman whom Kendall Francois had abducted managed to break free from his assault and escape the house on Fulton Avenue. She told a woman at a nearby gas station that she'd been assaulted and then walked away. The woman flagged down police officers, pointed them in the vi- victim's direction. Police located the victim, took her back to the station for questioning, where she filed a complaint against Francois. Police went to Francois' home to ask him some uh, to come into the station for further questioning. He went with them willingly and was soon arrested after confessing to most of his crimes. Um, he pled not guilty, was convicted of eight counts of first-degree murder and eight counts of second-degree murder, and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Whew. Because Francois' defense attorney got him to plead guilty before the DA could ask for the death penalty, he avoided trial by jury. And since the death penalty could only be given by a jury, mm. he avoided the death penalty completely. Apparently, this was some loophole in the New York legal system at the time, and it sounds like bullshit. Mm. Francois died in 20... 20- Francois died in 2014 at the age of 43, apparently due to the HIV he contracted from one of his victims. Ugh, oh, what man. A dick. Jesus. Oh, you, okay, all of his victims were petite white women with short brown hair, hazel brown or hazel eyes, ranging from 25 to 51, and almost all of them were reported missing by their mothers. Aww. Because they were sex workers, police didn't prioritize the missing person's reports, and it's generally believed Francois could have been stopped sooner had police not devalued the missing women because of their sex worker status. My freshman year of college, I would walk by the murder house on Fulton Avenue a couple times a week on my way to, from tutoring at Poughkeepsie Middle School where France, where Kendall Francois was working as a hall monitor at the time oh. of the murders. Very bad murdery vibes even though it's been completely fixed up. I think it was a residential life... It was the residential life director of my college who lived there for a while uh, while I was a student. I don't think I could be paid to live in a murder house unless I decided I never wanted to sleep again. <clears throat> we're just, we're wrapping it up now. 
A really terrible B-list horror movie was made inspired by the Poughkeepsie murders called the Poughkeepsie Tapes. It was pulled from distribution shortly after it was made in 2007, but there are extended trailers um, available on YouTube. At one point in college, some dude made me watch one of them late at night, and YouTube had actually removed the audio on the video because it was too disturbing. Oh my god. I made the dude walk me back to my dorm because I was so scared. Apparently the movie got released for real in 2014. I just read the Wikipedia for it now I want to bleach my eyeballs so proceed with caution I know Joe DeRosa and Pat Walsh have seen it I bet they have right yeah Uh, the Poughkeepsie tapes Um, so that's the Poughkeepsie murders don't go to Poughkeepsie don't get murdered Katie (laughs) wow wow thanks Katie at the point where it's life in prison without the possibility of parole do you care that the death penalty isn't an option I feel like at that point, yeah, I feel like at that point for me, I'm like, well, he's fucking gone. Yes, for sure. He's not out murder, like hurting people. No, that's all that matters. If it was the option of life in prison with the possibility of parole, which then probably the death penalty wouldn't be an option, then I'd be like, no, fucking kill him. Yeah. No, I don't want him to fucking get out of there and... It's so hard because these people that are like multiple offenders or lifelong offenders... It seems so insane. It just seems to be a different... It's just a different echelon of crime and how people should be punished. People are like rabid dogs that can't stop killing other human beings. Yeah, it's not all the same like people who can be rehabilitated. Yeah. It's not. It's not. And as much as I want to like vehemently get behind abolishing the death penalty, I think there's... We read too many cases where it's like, no, I think that this person not that I think I want to kill them or <laughs> you just want someone else to I kill them I just don't want, think that they yeah <laughs> there's fucking scary blights on humanity for sure I know you know what I think would be interesting is how much this study of like sociopaths and psychopaths and how like the mental element of um, killers comes into play to actually you know it's that thing of like well so, I think it's sociopaths they, they aren't can't be rehabilitated there's no if you don't have a conscience you can't build one it does yeah i mean there's which is not to say all sociopaths are evil because lots of people like to talk about that and you can build an understanding of what's right and wrong if you're not a fucking murderer which i'm sure a lot of sociopaths plenty aren't aren't, yeah plenty aren't then you can be you know you can teach that but it's the idea that it's like when a dog has rabies yeah it only wants to do one thing yeah and you can it's just that I think, but yeah. I mean, uh, we're talking about human beings. <laughs> it's it's just the worst. It's Let's the worst topic. This. I know. Um, okay. And we're also facing a prison planet future where, because yeah. privatized prisons are going to make rich people richer, yep. then then it'll be everybody will love throwing people away forever. Yeah. That's what I hate. Is this? You just better make sure you have the right person. I. This is chill. This um, is so cool mm-hmm. for a mini. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant, like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could, as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, 
Made in Cookware. Made in was created to bring restaurant quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Maiden. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of made in products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad. So it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill. If you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom, it's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. Hey, Karen, you know that feeling when you're stressed out and your heart starts to pound and your mind is racing? I do. I know it well. Well, while there's no cure for stress, therapy can help shape your response to it. And since May is Mental Health Awareness Month, there's no better time to try Talkspace. When you sign up for Talkspace, you'll receive a personalized match with a therapist or psychologist, typically within 48 hours. Forbes rates Talkspace as the number one online therapy platform, plus their licensed professionals are in network with almost all major insurance companies. Once you meet your therapy goals, or if you want to cancel for any reason, Talkspace will provide you with a prorated refund for unused time. I feel like these days people understand the importance of therapy, but the difficult part is just taking that first step. It took me months to make my first therapy appointment. I was so scared. I had a lot of ideas in my head about it. And that's why I think Talkspace is such a good idea, because making it so approachable will just get you there sooner. Then you can actually get in there, figure out what you need, talk to an actual professional, and be on your way to solving some stuff that you might want to solve. To celebrate Mental Health Awareness Month and the power of talking it out in therapy, Talkspace is offering our listeners $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80. Go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and use promo code SPACE80. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and enter promo code SPACE80 and get $80 off your first month and show your support for our show. That's Talkspace.com slash MFM. Enter promo code SPACE80. Goodbye. There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com slash 
slash murder. And here's the important note, that promo code is all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level. That's shopify.com slash murder. Again, don't forget the code is all lowercase. Goodbye. (laughs) All right, one more. You ready for this? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, I honest, I love your podcast. My friend just turned me onto it. <laughs> what? The way you said that was like, I don't care what anybody says. Yeah. I love your I podcast. I love your podcast. <laughs> no, you know what? I love it. Despite what everyone says, <laughs> I love your podcast. I love it. My friend turned me onto it. I was racking my brain trying to come up with a good hometown murder story and had completely forgotten about this gem. Enjoy. Uh, if you use this for any purpose, please don't link back to my real name just in case. Bitches be crazy. <laughs> no shit. So in 2006, <laughs> that was from me. So in 2006, in a time of MySpace and AOL Instant Messenger, I had a part-time job at a grocery store or pharmacy in an affluent suburb of Chicago. I went away to college downstate, but continued to work there when I was home for breaks and weekends. In the fall of my freshman year, a guy from my high school who had been a year or two older than me found me via MySpace and started chatting with me. I didn't know him but I did know his younger brother. I kept making reference to the fact that I had a boyfriend and he'd throw in a sly, so, smiley face. Uh, I was intrigued enough to chat with him, so a few weeks passed where I'd hear from him primarily on Friday and Saturday nights. He was flirty, but never inappropriate, and I kept getting the feeling that he was broken, like bad things had happened to him, like he had a rough life. One weekend in the fall when I was home, I learned that my coworker had died. She was in her 40s, and I'd worked with her once or twice, but was never close with her. We had a cast of interesting characters characters while I'd been working there, including a medium or astrologist. And so she didn't strike me as very memorable. But then I learned that she had been murdered. Well, or What? Well, I just... Oh. I don't know. Oh, you're saying, oh. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I was surprised. It sounded like a what? I immediately thought a heart disease. <laughs> of heart disease. That's what gets most middle-aged the women. end. <laughs> so please, watch what you eat. Yeah, donate too. <laughs> where I'm from was not a place where murders happen. It is the only murder I've ever heard of happening here, and it was completely swept under the rug. No one talked about it, and everyone proceeded forth as, it had never, as if it had never happened, but not me. I became obsessed with it. <laughs> Duh, she said. It turns out she had been murdered in a fairly abandoned industrial area of town. Her second job was delivering pizzas at a pizza place where her son also worked. Apparently, she swapped shifts with him that night because her son was, quote, sick. I don't know the specifics of the murder, but I know that she was that she was shot when she delivered a pizza to this abandoned area and the murderer was a drug lord. Her son owned the, owed the guy money. Uh. They had planned on murdering him that night, but she showed up instead, so I guess they were like, fuck it, this is fine, we'll just murder her. I started to put the pieces together. Her son was the guy that had been chatting with me from what? MySpace. I was completely obsessed with this murder for like a month of my freshman year. So the next time the guy messaged me, I said something generic like, I just found out about your mom. I worked with her and I'm really sorry to hear about what happened. At that point, I didn't know he had played any role in the death, just that she had been killed. And he acted weird that I had said anything at all and never talked to me again. I didn't drive down the road she was killed on for like seven years. It gave me the creeps. C. I swear to God, I thought you were going to say the son did it. Like, then it turned out that yeah, he did it or, or something. planned it or, like, paid people to do it or something. Yeah. But it turned out it was purely, like, revenge it or, like... It was supposed to be him. Wow. Which almost feels like he's partly culpable in a way. Well, you know yeah. I mean? Like, not not just, like, accidentally, but, like... 
Yeah, if you if you owe money to drug lords, bad things are going to happen to you yeah. and your family. Yeah. Probably. Don't do it, you guys. Don't. It's you know what? Get the get a friend. Yeah. To go in with you on a nice bag of bad grass. Yeah. Smoke that. And we just know you're leave all, the drug lords alone. There's some people listening to this right now who are packing their backpacks to go meet their drug lord. Please unpack, unpack it. Unpack, stay home. Just relax. Have a nice tea, cup of tea. You could actually, yes, you could have a completely drug-free day. Yeah. I made it sound like smoking bad pot is your only option. <laughs> you, no drugs are also an option. I mean, it's, you know, be, oh, you're human. Yeah, just, I don't know. I was trying to make them, I was trying to give them as drug addicts something that they needed. Yeah, that's true. That's what they beg for. Um, well, you guys send us your hometown murders at my favorite murder at Gmail. And uh, you guys, thank you for writing these. They're fucking fun and depressing. Um, it's super involved, and uh, it's everyone's got a story. Yeah, we want to know all of them. We do. Uh, thanks for sending them in. Thank Stay you. sexy and don't get murdered. Elvis, you want a cookie? He's on top of the fridge right now. <laughs> give give him a second to. Okay. Do your line, Elvis. Your line. I'm bringing them. All right. Want a cookie? There he is. That's not a goat. That's a cat. (laughs) Bye. Bye.